wonderful singing this morning, church. And I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4 as we remain standing. And if you do not have a Bible uh, with you today, you may take one of the Bibles in front of you there in the pew. And you may turn to page 1002. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, if you do not have a Bible um, that you uh, normally read, you may take that Bible home with you. And we pray that you will use that and it will be a great blessing to you. Here in Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to read Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 together. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let us pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word, your instructions for us. For by the Holy Spirit inspired men to write, to send letters, to record events. For our encouragement, for our edification, for our strengthening as the church. Lord, I ask that your word goes forth today to penetrate deep within hearts. I pray for the hearts in this room that are hard due to sin. They would be softened by your grace today. They would hear the good news and repent and follow you. Father, may we find rest in Christ. Forgive us where we try to find rest in other things apart from what you have so graciously provided for us. But we are sorry where we fail you. We are grateful for how You show your love and your forgiveness towards us because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf on the cross. Lord, we thank you for this time we have, this hope we have. May we be encouraged today. May we be challenged today to take rest in Christ. Work mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. This week, um, I was headed to a lunch meeting across town, and 
as you already know, when you head from one side of town to the other, you pass through or get stopped by many traffic lights. I think we can set a record here in Valdosta for how many traffic lights we have to go through. And I was almost to the other side and running good on time, and I was about to pass through the traffic light, and all of a sudden it turned red. So as any law-abiding citizen should do, I stopped, which was good. And I was waiting for the light to turn green. And while I was waiting, I noticed there was a car that came up beside me in the turning lane. And in front of them, there was a white SUV. And this car, the reason I noticed it, first, I heard them coming, um, the music playing loud. Uh, It was thumping. And then I noticed that this car was not sitting still in its lane, but it was shifting from one side to the other. It was packed full of people. Everybody was dancing. Everybody was having a great time. All right. And I just looked down and said, man, uh, they look like they're just having a blast. Today is good for them. I mean, the driver, I mean, he was leading it all. I mean, he was all over that front seat, okay? And then all of a sudden, the light turns green, and the car in front of them, the SUV, just inches forward a little bit. Well, they're so busy dancing that they think, oh, it's time to go. He pushes the gas, and boom, nails right into the back of that SUV. Needless to say, the dancing stopped, right? And all of a sudden, I thought, ooh. That's not good. And I remember driving on, and and I'm thinking, he's going to have to get out. He's going to have to walk up there and say, ma'am, I'm so sorry that I just ran into the back of your vehicle. Um, We were having a dance party, Dance USA. I don't know what he would say, you know. Um, But I kind of giggled in the moment. Giggled, that sounds really girlish. That's okay. But I I, I laughed. Um, But then I thought, that's not right that I should laugh. And then I laughed again. I thought, that's really not good. I mean, this is not a good day for them. And then I thought, but you know, it it really relates to us. And I didn't think about this right on the spot. I mean, later on that day, oh, that's, that's how we are as Christians, the way we've treated Sunday. You know, we come and we're excited, which is a good thing. Um, We wear smiles, which is a good thing. But sometimes we, we can really force those smiles and and really fake everybody out around us to make them think that we're doing well. But we're, we're glad to be here, or else I don't think you would be here. Um, and then we begin to study the Word together, and we encourage one another, and we talk about one another's weeks, and it's good, and we're going, this is what I needed. I mean, all week long, this is it. And then you come in here, and then we begin to sing, and then we sing, it is well with my soul, and you're going, that is, that is right. No matter what happens, it is well with my soul. All is, is good. And, and then we get into the Word, and we study the Word, and then we leave from here, and we go, I'm ready. Like, I am filled up. I'm ready to go through the week. And then all of a sudden, smack, we run right into Monday. And we go, wait a second, what happened? I mean, we were enjoying the day. Everything was good. It was restful. We were celebrating. And then I get to Monday, and it's just Monday. Ugh, you know? And then there's Tuesday, and then there's Wednesday. And then for some, if it's uh, in, in your time schedule and important for you to come on Wednesday night, you come and, and you're here and you go, this is good. This is the little pick-me-up I needed to get me to the rest of the week. And then we go Thursday and Friday. And then by Saturday, you're like, I need to be in church, right? I mean, you don't even want to know about my week, what all happened, what all I thought, what all I said, okay? And then I'm glad to be here on Sunday. And we treat Sunday as the, the pit stop in our walk with Christ, as if it can cover us the other six days. And we say, well, that was, that was Sunday. I mean, that was the Sabbath, right? I mean, that was the rest. That's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, if we say that we don't honor 
today as a time as the church, when the day we celebrate when Christ rose from the grave, um, if we say, no, that's not important, we can just meet whenever we want to, we miss out on the fellowship together. So we would have to completely wipe out last week's message if we said that. We're not saying that. This is a very important time to meet together, but it's not just one day. Okay? So as we're looking at the Sabbath, we're finding rest in Christ. And so I want to challenge you to see today that the Sabbath is not just a one-day event. It is to be carried with you every day. It is to be embraced every day. You are to enter his rest at all times. And so in order for us to see this, let's look back at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. And so the writer of Hebrews, again, he's reminding his audience, don't go back. You're Christians, you're Hebrews, but you're a Christian before you're a Hebrew people. Do not go back to the old way. And we say, yeah, don't, don't go back. Trust fully in Christ. But you have to understand, I mean, they were facing persecution for loving Jesus. And so it would have been mighty convenient for them just to say, you know, if we go back to the old way, things will be easier. After all, isn't that what we want? I mean, an easy life? Didn't we think that's what Christianity was going to be about? We didn't know it was going to be this hard, but Jesus was very clear to all of his followers. He said, you'll be persecuted, you'll be hated. Um, Even to begin all of this, you must die to yourself and then rise up and follow me. So it's a new life that you live in Jesus that you will have uh, persecution all around you. And so after reminding the Hebrew Christians about their ancestors, which he did previously, uh, what we see in chapter 3, he says that they failed to enter the rest provided due to their unbelief. Due to their unbelief. So you, like me, for, for many years may have thought that just because God led them out of Egypt that all of those people are now residing with God. But as we see here in the New Testament, we reflect back, no, they're not. Um, many of them died. They're, they're still separated from God. They had unbelief. Unbelief is not a characteristic of a follower of Christ. That's so important for us to pick up on. And that may terrify you. I mean, when we get to chapter 4 and you begin to read, if you just read it straight up, and maybe today you're reading it for the first time, you're going, what does this mean? I mean, fear and what if I don't enter rest? I mean, so is this saying we, we can't know if we'll be with God in eternity? That's important. It, we'll, we'll cover all that here in the time that we have this morning to the best that we can. So he now addresses them, and he says, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So we must have a fear in place because there are some who have failed to truly follow Christ, which means that you, just like in the first century, can be sitting here today. You look like a Christian you sound like a Christian. I mean, you can, you can talk Bible. You can pray. I mean, you really have people convinced around you, but you're not trusting in Christ. I mean, you have all the parts surrounding it, but you're not following Jesus. And the same thing in the first century. There were those who looked like followers of Christ. So when the writer is writing to them, what he's doing is he's dissecting. He's saying, look for those who seem to be falling away. Not that they're losing their salvation, but they never had salvation to begin with. Look after them. Encourage them. Keep living out the gospel. Lest they some have failed to reach it. So here is a reminder for them. The promise of entering his rest still stands. And this is great news for the church. The rest wasn't just about entering into Canaan. 
That's not what we see rest as or the Sabbath is held on a Saturday or now transferred over to a Sunday for Christians. That's not all there is to the rest. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Restless. That's what we're dealing with all around us. That may be what you're dealing with right now. It's just this restlessness. You can't get comfortable. You don't sleep well at night thinking about life. What's the point of all of this? Why does God allow you to struggle? You know, it's interesting that we want to do away with God until something really bad happens, and then we want to blame it on God. But for all the good things, we never gave God the glory for that. But when things got bad, we go, why, God? What's up? So if you are real, well, newsflash, if you believe in the Bible, he is real, okay? And with that, there is a restlessness for those who aren't following Jesus. There's restlessness with your coworkers, with family members. And you're going, what is wrong with that person? Why do they behave like that? Why do they speak to people like that? Why is there language like that? Why do they rejoice in those type of things? Because they're restless. Because they don't have rest in Christ. You see, there is a difference. There should be a difference. Even from the time here in first century, these Christians, they should have been different. It should have been clearly obvious to them that those around them who weren't resting in Christ, for the redeemed church in the first century, for this Hebrew audience, rest was in Jesus Christ, even in the midst of turmoil. Even when things were tough, they could still have rest. So let's put this together. How can we have rest and fear? That doesn't seem to make sense, right? I mean, you should rest by not fearing, but you're to have both, Christian. You are to fear. And we say, I, I thought, fear not. I mean, I, I see that on, uh, or, or no fear. I see that on the back of people's trucks all the time here in the South. And I thought we just weren't supposed to fear. No, we are to fear. What we are to be aware of is a holy God. And to make sure that we truly are trusting in his provision for salvation, which is in Christ. And in this, we have rest. So two things we see here, how one can rest and fear. One, you have rest if you trust in the finished work of Christ. A work has been completed so that you're not working to attain something, but you already have it, so then you can work out that salvation. Where was the work? What work was done? Work was done on the cross. Let me make this clear. What happened on the cross wasn't pageantry. It wasn't Jesus gave his blood. Oh, wow, what a sacrifice. No, work was accomplished on the cross. There was a payment made. There was a purchase made. And if there was a purchase made, then that means it was final. Whatever he did on the cross, it sealed it. And so whatever happened on the cross is carried out from that point forward. Follower of Christ, you place your full confidence in Jesus because he paid for every last sin. Every last sin has been paid for. It has been accomplished. That is the work that Jesus did. That's why it doesn't fit for you to try to do the work. So we trust in the finished work of Christ. And listen to Jesus here in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You hear this? He's, he's looking out and he sees those who are restless. He's saying, come to me. And I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we're going, wow, that, that seems nice. We have rest, not a heavy burden. The yoke is light. So when he places that yoke upon us, it's light, it's easy. Christianity should be easy, right? Is, is that how it is? It's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that no longer do these burdens have to rule you. No longer do you have to be weighed down by a restlessness. I mean, think about it. You go on vacation, you come back from vacation, and you're tired from being on vacation, right? And you need another vacation. You um, spend a Saturday uh, hanging out in the recliner, and then you go walk around the block, and then you get into Sunday, and you rejoice, and then you go into Monday, and you're tired. There's this tiredness that we face, this fatigue, and then there's this longing. We're going, there's got to be something more. Last week, we talked about our greatest moments in our community group, and we were going to say it was great, but, and I was all ready to share my story about going to a national championship game up there, and I thought it was great, and when it was over, everybody's celebrating, but nobody knew poor old me, and I was like, that's going to be a good story, that's going to relate, until the pilot next to me says, well, I flew into a volcano once, and I thought, I'm done, man. No, no story matches that. You flew into a volcano. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I can't say you flew into a volcano, but, so I guess there are some circumstances that are just completely awesome. So you guys who fly planes, you far outweigh us. <laughs> You're amazing. But he says, hey, I flew a volcano. But, but we follow that up and say, you know, even that, though, didn't satisfy you for life. It wasn't like that event happened. You go, I'm good now. I can rest. All is good. You know, when we have rest in Christ and we know what is to come, you don't need a bucket list on this earth. Nothing wrong with accomplishing good things, but here's what the bucket list is saying. Oh, I have to do all of these things to really live. But you know what? When you trust fully in Christ and you have rest in him, you're not afraid to die. You know that the best is yet to come, so you can have a bucket list. I mean, that's cool, but it pales in comparison to what is to come. Maybe you'll get that. Maybe you'll hang on to that and you'll truly believe that. But that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, my burden is like, I'm taking all of this on. You can rest in me. I will give you rest. See, we always feel like we need to do something more. Like it's just not enough. What do you mean that Christ can forgive me of all my sins? I mean, we don't know that kind of love in and of ourselves. God introduces us to that love through his son, Jesus. So Christ took our burdens and our sin upon him, his calling for us, which means that we submit our lives to Christ. His power over us is easy. It is light. How is this possible? How is this possible? Number two, you don't have to be heavy laden because Jesus took your heavy burdens upon himself and he put them to death on the cross. All these things you're weighed down with, this restlessness, has been put to death already. Which means that, why is it still alive? Because you're allowing it to be alive. Christian, you have the will and power to triumph over sin because of Jesus. It is only through Jesus that you have the will to overcome sin. And that is rest, taking hope in this. There's a great picture of this with the Ethiopian eunuch. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, if you will, and read this story. I'm, I'm going to pick it up right in the middle but due to the law, and in Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, we see that eunuchs could not enter into public worship. 
Um, one, because they emasculated themselves. And so there was no way that they could ever receive circumcision um, because of this. That was important uh, to be a proselyte, to be a Jew. And so you have this Ethiopian eunuch who's traveling along the road, and he's reading the Old Testament. It's important to understand that they just didn't carry a, uh, a pocket New Testament in, in their, uh, beside them and just open it up at any time because they were living out the New Testament. And so in Acts chapter 8, this eunuch is reading, and he doesn't understand, well, God had sent Philip to go help him to understand God was in control of this whole situation. And he's reading in Isaiah, and he's saying, is Isaiah talking about himself? Is this about the prophet, or is this about somebody to come? And Philip is able to lay it all out for him and explain what the prophet was talking about and how Jesus Christ was led to the slaughter for him. So then this is significant. Then next it says in the story that he looked and he saw water. And this is kind of a famous saying, look, there's, there's water. What, what hinders me from being baptized? Now, I love this because when you talk with some who believe that you have to be baptized in order to be saved, they point to this as a proof text. And they say, see, here it is. He had to be baptized in order to be a Christian. Understand the setting, the context. He was a eunuch. He couldn't be a true Jew, a proselyte for that matter. Never, ever. He could never have an outward sign that he was part of God's family. But when it comes to the New Testament, the new covenant in Christ, and Jesus went and finished the work for him on the cross, triumphing over Satan, that was public enough the Ethiopian eunuch is hearing this and is saying, I believe. I believe this is so good. So what now hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, nothing. Nothing. This is the new covenant. You come and you can be baptized. You don't have to be pushed away by law. And this is us too. You see, this is impossible for him. But God made it possible. It is impossible for you to follow Jesus on your own. Impossible. But God makes it possible. It is all throughout his word for us to see. If it was possible for us to have some type of goodness, some type of control and works based on our own, there would be no need for Jesus. But we understand there was a great need for Jesus, and God sent him to make it possible for us. And I love this. He wasted no time to be baptized. And you know what happened after he was baptized? He walked away rejoicing. Do you know why he could rejoice? Because he was now resting in Christ. Are you rejoicing in your life? I mean, are you living a life of rejoicing? Because you're truly resting in Christ. Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. So, again, if we're fearing, how can we rejoice? Our fear is that we may have fallen short of the rest in Christ. So today, there should be a fear within you. The fear is, am I really in Christ? Not did I say all the correct words in the ABC model, admit, believe, confess, Lord's Prayer at Vacation Bible School. Not did you get that prayer right, because a lot of times that's what we like to go back to. Did I say the right words? I mean, did I get fully immersed when I was baptized? I mean, all these 
crazy thoughts. But no, are you trusting in Christ as Savior and no one else? No other possibilities because all else is impossible. You see, belief plus trust equals rest. You say, I believe that there's a Jesus. Good. Do you trust in him? Recently, I had a great conversation with somebody, great conversation, and they're, they're really wrestling over these things, and they, and they are saying, hey, tell me more about following Jesus, and they made a very profound statement that I wish more would pick up on in the very beginning. They said, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ died and he rose from the grave. I believe that. I believe that God is over all things. I believe these things. But then she said this, but I'm just not ready to lose control of my life. And I thought, good, okay, then let's step back for a minute. That's that's good that you share this. That is very good that you can acknowledge that. I truly want you to trust in Jesus, but I can't put that trust into your heart. But she recognizes something on the front end here. You have to lose control. You die to yourself. For those who didn't die to themselves, but they said, I believe there's a Jesus. Yeah, I believe in church. I believe in the Bible. That's good. That's good stuff, man. Add it to my life. Come on, pile it on. That's not what we're seeing here. You rest, you rejoice when you die and rise up. And so you lose complete control and Christ reigns over you. That's what that rest is. It's Christ reigning in your life. Isn't that good? So does Christ reign in your life? Or did you say, oh man, it was just about making sure I was going to heaven. Then you, over anything else, I mean, fearing whether your favorite shows are recording right now, which I don't know what shows at Sunday at 11 o'clock, but fearing over all the little things that we have going on around us, the thing that you should be most concerned about is what we see in God's word. So let's continue to follow here. See, we are finished, church. We are finished with works righteousness. That type of righteousness simply doesn't work. So if you're trying to be righteous on your own, thinking it's going to Accumulate to salvation? No, doesn't work. Kent Hughes says this, when you are finished with works righteousness, you then long to serve Christ. Do you long to serve Jesus right now? I mean, do you long to be his completely? Is that what's in your heart? Or you're going, ah, but these other things. So, okay, write these things down. If right now, in your mind, in your heart, you just said these other things, I want you to write them down. Being serious, take one of those little pencils that normally doesn't work in front of you. Write it down, okay? Write it down. What is it? Surrender to the Lord. There it is. You're you're seeing, yes, but die to those things and trust fully in Christ. Those things aren't worth comparing to Christ. For the Christian, rest is not a Saturday Sabbath thing or a Sunday best kind of thing. But as long as it is today, there is rest. So the Christian life is day to day, hour by hour. It is trust. It's trusting in him because he is so good. So if you thought, you're here today and you thought, I came to church, I did a good work. I mean, aren't y'all proud of me, family? Aren't you good? And see, a lot of times that's, that's the motive we come with. Hey, I was in church. Did everybody see I was there? Did you get me checked in? That does nothing. That does nothing. Okay? But know that understanding, yeah, it's important that we come together to fellowship, but the Sabbath is ongoing because Jesus is the Sabbath. I mean, we look to Jesus. Jesus is the Sabbath. He's accomplished that work for us. We rest in him. 
We take rest in Christ, so that's every day. So when Monday comes, you shouldn't go, oh, man, it's Monday. They say, oh, God, it's Monday. You gave me this day for your glory and yours alone. I live it fully for you. You start your day out like that, you won't go, oh, man, it's Monday. Every day we find rest in him. I love the song, I Need Thee. Every hour. It's one of the songs that I sing to my boys at night. And maybe when we get older, they'll say, Dad, you know, you're really not a great singer. (laughs) That's okay, son. Uh, It's important, I think, to sing hymns over our children, God's truth. And this is one of those. It was written by Annie S. Hawks. She was born in 1835. She died in 1918. And she tells the story of why she wrote this hymn. One day as a young wife and mother of 37 years of age, I was busy with my regular household task. Suddenly, I became filled with a sense of nearness to the master, and I began to wonder how anyone could ever live without him, either in joy or pain. Then the words were ushered into my mind, and these thoughts took full possession of me. She began to write them down. The lyrics to... I need thee every hour. Sixteen years later, Mrs. Hawks experienced the death of her husband. Years after, she wrote, I did not understand at first why this hymn had touched the great throbbing heart of humanity. It was not until long after when the shadow fell over my way, the shadow of a great loss, that I understood something of the comforting power in the words which I had been permitted to give out to others in my hour of sweet serenity and peace. Here's that song. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide or life is in vain. I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thine indeed, thou blessed son. And then the refrain, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. You've had those moments when your love for Jesus was overflowing, I'm sure, Christian, I hope. And you said, why can't I feel like this all the time? Why can't I have these good feelings all the time? Why would I not want to always draw close to Jesus? When you make that statement, you're understanding the rest that is found in Christ. That's it. Why would I ever spend a minute away from Jesus, not relying on him. You see, it's drawing to Jesus. I need thee every hour. And the good and the bad, and I love in this song, when the temptations come and we go, oh, those temptations, I'm just so weak. Well, good, I'm glad you acknowledge that you're weak, but you can be made strong when you draw close to Jesus. And so if you're constantly going to accountability group and you're saying, struggled again this week, Raise your hands, everybody who we've struggled, yes. 
Yes? And what we do, accountability can be a very good thing. It can also be a very bad thing. Because we can get there and we can go, who's a loser? I'm a loser. Anybody else want to raise their hand? Say you're a loser. Okay, you're a loser too. Good. We're losers together. That's good. I mean, we're never going to conquer this. It's just going to be something we're going to deal with. And you're right, as long as it's you trying to fight against it. But when you draw close to Jesus, that temptation loses its power. That's resting in Christ. And so, John 16, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's the pressures of the world that increases our restlessness, but Jesus overcame the world. Rest in him. Rest in him. So there's the question, what if I fail to reach it? How can I know? Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So when we're looking at this rest, we're not looking at just the physical place. We're not looking at what was Canaan. That was a foreshadowing of what was to come. And it is a rest of what we have seen happen, what is now, and what is to come. So we see three areas here. One, we rest in our creator. We rest in our creator. Oh, there's rest when you truly put your trust in God as creator. Because you know he created all things. And then there's rest in when you're knowing that there was the fall of man in the garden. You can rest in that because now you know why we have disagreements why things get heated, why people die, why we lose our loved ones, why there's separation. All of that makes sense in the light of there's sin that abounds. But it's not just going to stay that way forever because God is creator and he's also redeemer. He's brought great redemption. So with these things, we rest. You talk to people who say, well, yeah, if God's so loving, why do all these things happen? They don't understand rest. Explain the rest that is in Christ. It makes perfect sense while these things are going on around us. So we rest in God as our creator. What he has created is good and, and it's been broken and it's being restored. But we're not looking at just it being restored later. It's being restored now. And you are a picture of that, Christian, of somebody who's been restored. That's what we should see in each other. There should be progress in your life. There should be growth in your life. Because there's restoration that's ongoing in you, a transforming by the renewing of your mind. You should look different. There's a little sticker in the check-in over there. I noticed it, and I thought about picking one up and giving it to one of you as a joke, but it, I didn't. Um, but it says, in potty training. And they put it on the little kids, and, you know, that little kid, he doesn't know he's wearing that. Poor little kid. I mean, he's walking around, everybody knows he's in potty training, Right? But that's how it is when you first come to Christ. And, but that, shit, that, stick, that sticker shouldn't be on you the rest of your life. Constantly in potty training, having to clean up all your mess. Remember, it's all about you. Hey, will you come change my diapers? I was thinking about moving on, but you know, I'm just, uh. rest in Christ. It's okay that when you first start out in Christ and you're growing and you have the church right there to encourage you, but Don't wear that sticker as if this is a badge of honor for the rest of your life. So number two, we rest and we are resting in the finished work of Christ. 
as we've heard many times already today, what Christ did was finished. He's not doing any more work to accomplish the forgiveness of your sins. He's already done the work. We can rest in this finished work of Christ because he has won the battle. He's won. And we too win when we trust in Christ. Now, this past week, it was quite a week for Valdosta. And I'm grateful for our law enforcement. And I think they were just champions this week. Did a great job. And thankful for our military personnel. I mean, I tell you that all the time. There's a reason why some of you have just gotten back, but others have gone. Because that flag, in order to remain free, we have to keep fighting for the freedom. And I'm grateful for the men and women who continue to fight for our freedom. And if it ever comes on our home turf, would we fight for our freedom? What would that be? Maybe then truly we would appreciate the flag. But I found it interesting, having said that, I want to make it very clear that you don't mishear what I'm about to say. That in that story of the protest that was going on on campus, the flag wasn't the only thing that was on the ground. There were Bibles on the ground. Now, I've heard one story, pages were ripped out, but I also heard a young man try to explain the Bible, and it was very perverse. And I thought, man, your heart is so hard. You don't have rest in Christ. You don't understand. You have no clue who God truly is. It's not just for one race. It's for all nations. And maybe some of you students were there. Maybe somebody did, but did anybody run to pick up the Bible and say, this has more worth than the flag? Because it does. Not to diminish one. Say it's not important. Not saying that. But our freedom as a nation requires us to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep winning battles. And when we open up the word and that we read that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, the battle has been won. There's a difference. There's a restlessness in defending our freedom. There's a rest in carrying out the word of God. Doesn't mean you quit. Don't hear that. Don't mean you just sit back. No, you continue to work out your salvation. But there are no more battles for you to accomplish in order to achieve salvation. The battle has already been won. So we trust in the finished work of Christ. And the last thing, resting in the promise of Christ's return. You know, those who rest in Christ are excited about Jesus coming back. They're excited. Are, are you excited that Jesus could come back at any time? I believe, personally, Jesus could come back at any time. I do believe the nations have already heard. I don't believe that that should stop us from going into all the nations, continuing to share. But I'll be in the first century. That, that word was going out through the world. And so I believe Jesus could come back at any time. I don't think he's on some holding patterns just whenever God says go. And I'm excited because... We wait Christ's return. We are part of the family of God. We are about to truly live forever and ever. In fact, it's already started while we're here on this earth with this rest in our hearts. So if you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm not ready for Jesus to come, and maybe you're not because you know of people who are lost around you, then what 
should that encourage you to do? Take to them the gospel. Go tell them the gospel. How can we not share the gospel when we believe that Jesus could come back at any time? How can we sit at a Starbucks across from somebody and just have casual conversation when we know they're not followers of Christ, when we know that Jesus Christ could come back at any time? How can we not talk about Jesus? How can we get caught up in so many other things that are trivial when we know that Jesus could return at any time? But not only that, that people are dying. They could face a physical death, and if they don't know Christ, they're separated from him from all eternity. So when you go, oh, my heart is heavy, go to them. Share with them the good news. Pray that there would be a great transformation in their life, that they would look to Jesus, that they would rest in Christ. So this rest, it's trusting in God's promises, which takes us from restlessness to fearlessness. I wonder how many people would have gone to celebrate the flag if they would have had to go on all by themselves. How many would have gone up and down the street? And and I think that's a a beautiful display of, of us being grateful for what we have. But, you know, there's also power in numbers. And when I saw all these men and women on motorcycles, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching them drive by. I was at a shop. I'm not going to tell you which one you already know. And I'm I'm sitting there and drinking coffee. And I'm seeing these motorcycles going by. And I'm going, wow, why am I so emotional right now? What is going on, God? It wasn't wasn't that day. And I'm not saying this as a hyper-spiritual person. I'm just telling you what I was so broken over is that, there's, there's turmoil, and, and there's a fight for this freedom, but to truly understand life, you must understand it first in Christ. I was just overflowing in my life. But the point being, many times you feel like you're all by yourself carrying the Bible, but you're not because you're resting in Christ. So, John Piper says, the one thing to fear in this world is not believing the promises that produce Fearlessness. And so, understanding this doesn't mean that we say, oh, so if I'm resting in Christ every day, which now proves that I don't have to come just on Sundays, good, I don't have to be here. No, the two go hand in hand. Two go hand in hand. Because here's what we discover when we truly rest in Christ this understanding breaks down the rigidness of Sundays. You know what I mean when I say rigidness? You kind of walk in and you straighten up a little bit. Not that you shouldn't come to worship, but why is it that way that when you walk in this building, your conversations are a lot different than your conversations outside of here? What is it? So understanding rest in Christ, it takes away that rigidness of Sunday that we would come and celebrate, that we would come and love one another and care for one another, that we may actually confess our sins one to one another and be healed. Many of us walk in here and say, I'm not confessing my sins to anybody around here. Because they're so rigid. That's what the church is for. That's how you're going to have healing, somebody that you can invest in together. But it takes away the rigidness of Sunday and the monotony of every other day, and you rest in Christ. So if you are to wake up tomorrow morning, you should be thrilled. Whatever you have tomorrow, you don't go, oh, test? I love my man Cameron here. Cameron and I were talking earlier, and he said, man, I got the GMAS this week. 
And, and basically, here's my translation. He's saying, I'm going to tear it up. It's going to be awesome. Not tear it up physically. I mean, he's going to do well on it, you know. He's looking forward to it. You know, every other kid I've talked to, oh, we got G-Mass this week, you know. Because that's what they hear. They're so f- afraid of it. He's saying, man, bring it on. I'm ready. That's a big deal to these kids. It's a big deal. Just like you have big things going in your life. And you shouldn't go with fear of those things. Have a fearlessness. Rest in Christ. And so with this rest, if I may, I'm just going to add this last part because you're hanging in there. We're here together. Verse 13. Speaking of a verse that's fearful. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You may be really good about hiding your sin. You may have us all fooled. But the one you do not have fooled is the one that you will give an account for your life. You will stand before him one day. Will it be said of you that you found rest in Christ while you were here? Or did you reject that rest and find rest in so many other kind of things which led to a great restlessness which will mean that your eternity will be filled with restlessness and pain and agony? If you're resting, if you're not resting in Christ, you are restless. But if you fear the Lord and trust in him, you have rest. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, you're not, let's just say it this way, you're not trusting Jesus. You're not trusting in Jesus. You're not having rest in Jesus. Will you repent of your sinfulness, your restlessness, you trying to work in your life for your salvation, just repent to the Lord and say, I trust what Jesus did on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. That's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, which is a trust. I trust you. Forgive me of my sins today. Where you are, maybe where you're seated, you say, I don't want to run my life anymore. I'm ruining my life. I trust in you, Jesus. I trust fully in you. Today, will you put your faith and trust in him? Christian, You've already placed your trust in him. Maybe this has been a sober reminder for you to continue to work out this salvation daily. Bear the fruit, bear the testimony that you love him, that your trust is fully in him. And rest. Rest. Christian, you ought to be the example to the restless world. There ought to be a difference from what you've heard today. Carry this with you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, that in Christ we have rest. May we not hear that enough. Lord, I pray that we've heard it so much today that that through the work of your Holy Spirit that that would just resound in our hearts this week. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room that they don't have rest in Christ because they still believe it's better to hold on to their own life. I pray that through your word, what was preached, proclaimed through the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's very clear to them now. The only rest we can truly have is in Jesus. I hope that does not disappoint. 
a life that is eternal, a work that has been finished. So, Father, I ask that you continue to move in this time. We need you every hour, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.